This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. We are back for another exciting week of Your Valuable Home. And we've got a replay that has to do with the lot, job. lots of Provia windows, right? That it does. Yeah, that it does. Pat was on when we were doing the coolest neighborhoods in America in January, talking about why he chose us to do the work and then Provia windows. Yep. Now the windows are installed. So Pat's going to talk about all the stuff that we had to go through because it was a lot of moving parts to do windows. See, well, a lot of people don't understand is when you're putting in windows and Pat can attest to this because he saw the, the amount of work that we had to do is knowing what you're getting with a window. And no matter what window you purchased or whatever you're going with, Provia makes it easier for me to install the windows. That's why we use them, but it should be that easy for everybody. But some people try to sell in a different way, try to just get your money and not give you an understanding of what is going to be going in the process of how that application of the wind is going to be installed. So with this, Pat's going to talk about everything that we did because he got to see it firsthand, step-by-step step, exactly what we were doing from start to finish. So Pat, hey, thanks for coming back on your Valuable Home Podcast. Glad to be back and uh, yeah, happy to uh, talk about post-job now that we've done the before and after. You know, we, we sort of went around the house from uh, west side, south side, east side, back. But I think a, a small piece of background for the audience is you know, I've got a home that's 30 years old plus, uh, aluminum siding, no Tyvek. You know, it had wooden windows that were uh, builder grade original, basically, as as we saw. Let's pick that one bedroom one that had a little uh, softness, uh, <laughs> softness to it. I mean, to the old window? Oh, yeah. The old wooden window? Well, 30 years. I mean, they did their job, right? The At window? 25, they did their job. Yeah, the last I'm sure 30 they was, did, yeah. It started to go a little bit softer uh-huh. uh, as it went along, but it was just at the right timing because a lot of the windows, you could start to see that the wood was starting to seep down into that sill area there. And this one, when he's talking about the master bedroom, had a little bit more softness than I liked. So it was nothing wrong with it, but it had a little bit of surface rot to it. So I put new plywood down over top of it to make sure it was stabilized because I don't like leaving rot there. You just take the rock part out. It was just at the right timing. If you waited another couple of years, that when whole that happens, does it get to the normally get to the window frame too? Well, the window frame was gone. It was gone. That totally took gone. the brunt of okay. the window. Right. Okay. So that was ninety nine percent of it. The other one percent was going into the window sash, but the sill in that one window was starting to show a little bit more signs of of wear to it. Now, Pat, as you know, you talked about prior on the show, a replacement window. If I did a replacement window at your place, basically I was taking these existing sashes, which is the windows that go up and down 
taking that out and putting a new frame and sashes inside that rotted frame because a lot of the rot you couldn't see, but it was below into that window. Well, let me put it this way. Would you be happy if I did that? No, sir, certainly not. And I think detailing what we actually did here, which is cutting away an inch, inch and a half, two inches of the aluminum siding the whole way around the window so that the nailing flange, the Tyvek, the rubber, not necessarily in that order, had the overlap. And then the trim work with the uh, aluminum capping plus the J channel. And then we got into the caulk. You said in a prior show, you know, four screws and caulk. You know, I think knowing the difference between what a four screws and caulk job is versus what you and Dave actually did, it's miles and miles of difference. Well, here's another thing. You know, when we took off the trim of the existing window, did you notice you had what we called the token insulation from the framing of the house to the framing of the old window? So it was very little insulation that was supplied around that window from the builder? Yes. So now if I did a replacement window, we weren't addressing any of that insulation issues that you had. So I can't get to that. So since if you're doing a replacement... We're not in that area. You're not getting it. So you're still going to have the air coming. And I knew that was one of your biggest complaints. But the foam, you foam too. Oh, right? yeah. That would take care of a lot of that, wouldn't it? Well, that's what the replacement window. What I did is I stripped everything out 100% down to the framing of the house. Mm -hmm. Then we put the new Pro-V and door window in with mm -hmm. the nailing flange, new mm -hmm. construction, foamed around that window. Right. And okay. then sealed everything off that way with the rubbers and the caulks mm -hmm. and the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the foam that we used. But everything was sealed it that way. And you know what I always tell homeowners, even when we're doing the job, is that when we're installing the windows, we have, say, a bedroom done. And we have the old windows. Now you have the new windows, and they're completely done. Sound is the same as water and air. So if you're having air leaking in, you're having water penetrating in, you're going to still have sound coming in. And, Pat, let's talk about the, the quality of the windows and how tight they are. Do you hear any more sound in that bedroom? No. In fact, we have a someone with a, a louder vehicle. Let's call it that. And uh, it, it's much quieter when they go by compared to uh, where we were before. And uh, uh, attenuation, you know, I, I couldn't give you a decibel number, but, you know, it seems seems about half, which I, I know it's a, a logarithmic scale, but definitely much, much quieter compared to uh, what we were dealing with. Energy savings is basically what that's leading into. The, the Provia windows right there are worth more than anything else to keep the sound up. The sound and, you know, it's been relatively cool thus far but you know temp temperature has been more stable you know we haven't had much rain lately since the job was done but you know no no issues there yeah it's 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 been great you know, we talked about the outside a little bit you know i'd be remiss not to mention the finished work on the inside you know we, we talked about the envelope how sound how water how air is not getting through from the outside the old windows didn't have sills it was just you know four sides of trim of standard casing what kevin did we we went with a wider than normal casing and i have window sills now i can actually put stuff <laughs> on the uh on it's the, the little uh, things that please you yes and <laughs> and you know the trim work is is perfect everything was primed and then two coats of paint as well and it's it i mean it's beautiful definitely ups the character from you know what was 30 year old plus builder grade to really professional replacement outside and in and how many windows did you do again total the whole house yeah it was 22 although i guess technically 20 because there were two doubles in there as well wow. yeah. oh they were big yeah. windows too yeah yeah provia makes a very heavy window and that heavy window correlates on the quality that they put into that window yeah i don't know how you do the second floor stuff i mean that's just that just my mind. swing them, throw them up there, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, good luck with that, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, knowing the business very well makes it a little bit easier because Dave and I are the ones doing it. Right. That, that was one of your main reasons, right, Pat, that you chose us because it was you're getting Dave and I, not subcontractors doing the work. 
Absolutely. And we, we talked about that on the, the prior episode. And uh, yeah, it, it was just really comforting. And, you know, one of the things we also talked about was like the before, during and after and just kind of working through the staged area where the tools were, where the inventory was, where the, the ladders and scaffolding went. I mean, just like really coordinated routine with with all of that. And then, you know, doing doing each section every day so we could kind of like do this, move on, do this, move on and, you know, follow that the whole way around the house. Yeah, a lot of times when people do get estimates and they don't understand a lot about it, but when we talk about new trim or even with an existing window, is that either way you're going to disrupt the paint lines themselves. So sure. you have to caulk yeah. them back in uh-huh. and do whatever. So you have a brand new window, but everything around it looks horrible. So why not just replace it and paint it? But even if somebody's doing that, window companies don't paint because they'll put on that line at the bottom that says paint by others. And people keep asking you, what is the owner? (laughs) Yeah, you're the owner. (laughs) You're the other. And with Pat's estimate, as I put it on there, it said that I will be personally the one doing the work, but let alone I'll be prepping and painting that trim. So we're done. That's it. It's over. And what we did with, again, us being there and not waiting for a painter, if it was still included in somebody's quote, is that like we were talking about the back of the house. So we did the bedrooms in the back and we got everything done. And was it like a day or two? We got the windows in. But instead of going to the first floor and doing another part of the house well that's their bedroom he pat was gracious he pulled all the everything away from the window the the beds were away the curtains were down so why not with us instead of going to another job well for the last four hours of that day we started to paint those windows in the bedroom so this way his life's back to normal in the bedrooms so now we can stay downstairs instead of going up three days later they have no blinds on the window no shutters nothing was up there so now they have it because that window was completed. And I would be glad to work with homeowners because, again, it's it's their home. And if you don't do what they want at the right job at the right price, at the right timing, it's not going to go as well. But it's also that little bit of added detail of making sure that, uh, hey, you know what, we're there. We're going to be painting the window. Why don't we just do it so your life is less strenuous as this process is going on as we're putting the windows? Do you agree, Pat? Absolutely. And and going into that added detail a little bit, the you know, succession of tarps from the front door up the stairs into each room to make sure that you know none of the the splinters or you know material uh either side was was tracked one way or the other and uh the the cleanup job and everything else you know it was uh certainly better than uh than when you got there that's that's for sure we do i do like to clean you know that's the one time i was telling your wife i said i like the i like the vacuum lines as we're walking out so I'm grabbing the tarps, pulling them out, and I'm backing them so I'm not stepping on the carpet. So the lines are perfect in vacuum going. And I know I got a problem. Ron's looking at me like, you're really that bad. Okay. Pat test, I'm, I'm really that bad. I like that's what turns you on. That's <laughs> It does. It really does. I mean, Pat, do you agree? I mean, I'm pretty crazy like that. I just got to have everything. I just want it right. Absolutely. As we said uh, on one of the days, this, this is the way. Yes, that's and, right. Uh, Mandalorian. He's a big Star Wars guy. Oh, okay. I get to know by listen, when you're when you're as a contractor and and I tell every listener and every one of my clients, if you feel comfortable with the contractor you're working on, you feel that trust, it's gonna make your job go so much easier because if you're not happy with somebody and you don't trust somebody you'll be second guessing everything. Correct. Yeah. Hey, did you put the rubber in the window? No, uh, we forgot to do it, but don't worry about it. Well, don't the, worry about These are the problem. issues. Yeah. Well, you right. said you were going to paint. It's in the contract. Yeah, but we weren't going to do that. I'm the one doing the work. I'm the one painting Dave and I, so uh, just do it. And when you homeowners feel more comfortable about it, and we were talking about Star Wars and Mandalorian. That was uh, when we were doing the job. I think it was right at the uh, one of the last of the episodes. 
But going back to that thought, this is the way. I mean, not everyone follows the creed. For those listeners who aren't Mandalorian fans, the difference between the four screws and caulk job versus everything that Kevin and Dave did, worlds and worlds of difference, and uh, made things easy for us living here. It's going to make a difference in the end product, 10, 15 30 years down the road, we have complete confidence in the, uh, you know, the, the outer shell, the beauty of the finished work and everything else. Yeah, a lot of people need to understand the, the extra steps that you take and you recommend that everybody takes, every contractor takes to put in windows are there for the long haul. Correct. Okay? So those windows last 30, 40 years. Right? Plus, it's a new look at the trim on the interior. I mean, it was just basic trim, but the right, Pat was right. There was no sills. Like, how do you put a double-hung window in with no sill? I've never seen that. But casements, yes. But double-hungs are designed to take that sill. So now he's got a sure. big, thick, five-quarter sill that I, uh, it's about four and a half inches deep. It, it's beautiful. And he can put things on it. And I said, it's little things that make people happy. But it's, it's not the little things. It's what should be done when we're doing the job. So that's why I priced everything in. I'm sure, Pat, you got different prices from other companies, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, you know, if there was uh, less being done for more cost at the end of the day. So that, that's another reason. So now job's done. Was my price, because we never really talked about this, higher or lower than most of the competitors and how much work was involved in what I was doing compared to what they were doing? Your price was definitely lower and there was uh, a lot more to the job compared to the four screws and caulk, no paint, no sills, just you know, like for like replacement of what we had with the uh, four sides of uh, casing. Yeah, so go with the cheapest price sometimes does work out. Because most of the time people think never get the lowest, never get the highest, get the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm the lowest price and I'm offering a lot more, and I tell people, to say it on the show, subcontractors, they're going to pay them a little bit more money. I'm the one doing the work. So there's a big added cost that they sure. have to apply to yeah. that job. And so, if, if, the, if the company does marketing too, you got that as a You're, you're paying for everything. Well. Yeah. Right. That's why I like to keep under the radar. I like to deal with homeowners that I want to deal with. And we had a great time. And Ron, you'll like this one because right when you walk in the door, he's got this little chalkboard and it says, how many times has Pop said he had Lyme disease? Because you and I talked about the show back we did about uh, three or four months ago about Lyme disease and he listened yep. to the show. Yeah. But I, you, I remember you were saying you had it, but it was a little board there and marker. It said how many times did he say it? And every time he said it, they would put a little uh, mark there saying he said it again. He said it again. There was like 20-some marks there. <laughs> so I guess it slowed up for the last couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, that's great that you're listening to the show and you can get a great education just out of that. But it was really nice to see that pay, people were paying attention. That was a great episode as well. I wish I had heard that when I was sick, but uh, I'm glad uh, glad the uh, listeners are, are educated. I'm educated and uh you know, we, we definitely move on. And yes, I am, I'm talking about it a lot less now. <laughs> <laughs> and your family thanks you also. But yeah, we yes. had a great time working there. It was a lot of fun and uh, getting to know your family and, and putting some Provia windows. And we do appreciate your time coming on your valuable home and talking about it. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Hey, Kev, you got a horror story this week, not about a contractor, what about a handyman? You know, when homeowners call somebody up, big contractors are not going to do a little repair on a window. With me, like I would say, I'd be replacing the window. I don't think it's worth it for the value to replace a certain window when it's gone. The applications, there's nothing around the window. Uh, there's no insulation. The window's rotted. So you call a handyman up, figure they could maybe cut a sliver of that section of window out. It might not be the greatest job. And I, and I even said to the person, I said, look, it might not be great, but at least the rot will be gone. Uh, you can do some foam, do just whatever to, to get it back. So he, He's chuckling. He said, well, listen, I'm going to send you a picture and I'd like to get your thoughts. 
So the, the couple pictures, and I'll put it on social media so you can see it. The rot was still there. So there's ways to cover things up. Now you figure, well, maybe you take a little bit of the rot out. You put some wood putty in because it's an older window. The window was installed back in the 60s. So, so it didn't know anybody anything, right? No. No. Okay. no, that's why I said the value wasn't in for calling a handyman. But this guy was cheap. So for $250, he paid a handyman. It's amazing what duct tape and how good that duct tape is. So they put duct tape over the window that was rotted. Instead of covering it up, they put duct tape, covered it, and then painted it. So it looked nice and fresh standing from, you know, four feet away because it was a second floor foyer. Mm -hmm. So nobody could see it. So he figured it was just going to pull some wood out, put it back in, putty it, patch it, paint it, and, you know, get a few more years out of it, which is understandable. Some people don't have the money to do a a set of windows. And even doing one window, that would be your preferred methodology, right? Now, we'd be too expensive because I've got to go out for the day. If I'm there, I, I I can't do a couple hours. I've got a, I've got a lot more expenses. Right, exactly. So yeah. handymen are perfect for that. But if you're going to be a handyman, you probably want to know what you're doing. Probably want to be handy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is what I, uh, I I took a look at. And I said, Dick, could you just send me the pictures? And yep, there they were. Oh my gosh! So I showed you that picture. It was yeah, just, it's uh, hard to believe that this stuff goes on. Well, how many, but it does. We've done so many horror stories over the past, almost going on nine and a half, ten years going yeah, into it. Sure. So are people not getting educated? Do they not want to understand what's going on out there? Well, no, I think they are. I think people who listen to the show on a regular basis are more educated than the average person about all the stuff that we talk about. But not everybody listens. That's why all right. listeners have to get more listeners to listen to the show so you can help them with their problems or help them avoid problems. You know, that is absolutely true. You know how many people I've talked to over the past two weeks and I said, oh, you're getting windows? Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, what are you getting? I don't know. Well, how are they doing it? Don't know. I, I don't know. Don't know. He was referred, so it's got to be pretty good. I'm like, well, what's the contract say? Didn't you read the contract? No, but it was a good price. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit more about it. Are they? What is the window? What's the brand of the window? That's that's their answer. They don't know. Yeah. And then they don't want to call the guy because they don't want to upset the contractor because then they think he's not going to show up. I said, well, he has to show up. He took your money. Oh yeah, but we, we just want to. What well, I said, well, listen. I'm going to give you my card. Just call me and you can, I'm glad to put you on for the horror story. Because if you don't know what you're getting and what you're paying for, the value. Chances every, are you're not going to get anything that you really like. That's why, right? why can't a contractor explain step-by-step what you're getting? You know, look, if you want to do a replacement, I'm saying not, don't do it. I mean, I don't like to do it because I, I know what I'm going to get into and I know what the problems are going to be. But if you're going to do it, explain in the contract. Here's what I am doing. Absolutely. If we don't, if I don't explain to you what you're doing, how do you know what you're getting? Like in it to buying a car, okay? When you buy a car, it's got a window sticker. It tells you what is on that car, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't get something that it says on the window sticker, you got a problem, right? You have you have a beef. Right. If you don't know what you're supposed to get, you got no beef because you're like flying blind to begin with, right? True. So liken it to buying a car. Know everything that you're supposed to be getting. Well, you know, with a car, it's the same manufacturer. So if you buy that car, say, from GMC or Ford, and I buy a car, it's getting made by the same person well, that's making it Well, yes, at the factory. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, cars today are made in a lot of different places. Some cars are made in Mexico, as a matter of fact. So you don't know, you know, it's you can't, you can't compare. Theoretically, you should be able to compare it, okay? Because Correct. Because it's coming out of the same brand, okay? But who knows? Well, I mean, contracting, you're getting somebody that's going to be doing that installation, mm-hmm. and they better know what they're doing. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you ever notice that people always brag about their 
they're high prices on a car. I just paid 280000 for the car. But the other one comes to contracting, and people say, oh, I got a kitchen. Yeah, but your contractor did it for 200000 I just got mine done for 12000 Yeah, the way the prices of cars are going, that 280000 is going to be like that's normal. the average price pretty soon. But yeah. I always find it fascinating that people always want to brag about how much they're spending on a car. But when they talk with other people about, say, kitchens or windows, oh, well, my guy did it for this price. And this is, well, how many windows? What'd you get? What's the meth application? Oh, we don't know that. No, so you're not comparing apples yeah, usually, with apples. Yeah, usually people, when they talk about things getting things done in their house, they don't talk about, it's not, it's not to brag about how much it costs, but how much they didn't have to spend to get it done. Correct. Right? And right. that's why we did over 500 horror stories in the right. past 10 years, right. because these are the problems Everybody's that they get into. At price, price, price. And is that the best way to do it? No, it's not. So value. How, your valuable home. I mean, it says it right there. Getting the best value for it. A car is a car. You're going to buy the car. And it, look, here's the thing. If you have a GMC Ford or wherever it's coming from, they're going to be around for a while because it's a big billion dollar company. These contractors are not billionaires. They're guys like me that are working, need to work every day to put a paycheck out there. And if they're not making any money, they're going to be out of business. That's so correct. whatever work that you got done from a year ago and you have that lifetime warranty, well, the lifetime is gone because they're out of business. So wouldn't you want to get somebody that's at least reputable that's in the area? Well, from a contractor's perspective, too, you want to be done with the job. You don't want to get callbacks because it's like interruptive. It, it interrupts your whole the whole flow of your business okay and you're not making the money that you should be making because you're going back and back and back and back i don't i don't know why people do jobs that way i just don't doesn't make any sense to me i know for a fact there's big companies around here they have one crew that goes out and fixes the mistakes of the subs i don't doubt it i don't doubt it i don't doubt it <laughs> what's the sense of once you why do, do you think job? you get a punch list when when uh, when you, if you buy a house from bold builder right my punch list was like punched beyond belief <laughs> <laughs> 13 pages yeah, long. Right, yeah. But I, because they, they they want the money. That's the bottom line. It's all about, hey, I'm the biggest company around. Uh, everybody thinks they're great because they see the signs everywhere. And it's not that way. Like, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but it, it, if you're looking for a good job and a good quality, you better know what you're looking at with a contractor and what you're looking into with doing with them. Absolutely. Because if you don't know from the beginning and you're not getting it well written into the contract and explaining it, what that contract says, and having the guys to do the job correctly with the quality control, you're going to be on our show. Let me, yeah, let me throw something out here. We probably should do that, do a recap, and look at what should be in a window contract, a siding contract, a roofing contract, a door contract, and then what should be the common elements in all of those contracts. I might take a couple of shows to do that. There's uh, a lot of material that should be in there. Well, but it's all important stuff. So Absolutely. we probably should tackle that. All right, well, then we'll okay. get that coming up in the next right. couple of weeks. Okay. All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. We've been telling our listeners about Provia entry doors and windows, but there's a lot more to Provia, right, Kev? Yeah, you bet. Provia is your one source for professional class entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and incredible metal roofing. In fact, Provia makes all the product you need to create the perfect home exterior. They do it all the Provia way, the professional way. Hey, Kev, didn't you just use Provia siding and doors on your home? Yep, the look of my siding and doors have landed me a ton of work. Okay, so what sold you on Provia vinyl siding? 
siding. The same that sells my customers. Provia siding reflects heat, protects against UV rays, and solar heat buildup that ensures long-lasting color. Then there's a range of traditional, insulated, and decorative siding profiles, all with the look and feel of real wood. And a selection of now colors, including dark and bold hues. So, what's your take on Provia manufactured stone? The molds of Provia stone are created from natural stones, giving it a quarried stone look with a great range of shapes and sizes. Customers love them, and the 10 choices of color palettes, Provia stone goes with any environment. To see how Provia siding and stone combine to create the Provia perfect exterior with great curb appeal, visit Provia.com. Click on Designer Collections under the Design It tab. Hey, Kevin here, installing another Provia entry door. I do about 50 or more a year. Schlage knobs, hardware, and handle sets make a great complement to any Provia fiberglass or steel entry door. Provia and Schlage, I think, are the best combination of curb appeal, style, and security money can buy in entry doors. And Schlage now has a complete line of Wi-Fi locks, including the new Encode Plus, which can be locked or unlocked with the tap of an Apple Watch. Amazing. Provia and Schlage, there's no better combination for entry doors. Okay, Ron, now time for the featured segment. And I do believe we have a returning guest. Well, not only just a returning guest, we've got an old friend of your valuable home with us today. That's Sandy Smith, home and real estate editor of Philadelphia Magazine. He's here to alert us to what he sees happening in the Philadelphia real estate market, which sort of ripples into the rest of the country. Sandy, glad to have you back on your valuable home. It's great to be back. But you're here today to alert us to some disconcerting signs in the Philadelphia real estate market, right? Well, uh, I'm not sure I call them disconcerting, but they are kind of concerning. One of the big things I've noticed is that single-family ownership properties, construction of those has kind of like plummeted, maybe even fallen off the cliff. Meanwhile, multi-unit residential has taken off like a rocket with maybe one or two exceptions within the city. All of the new construction going up right now is multi-unit rental properties. The one exception I can think of is the large North Bank development on the Delaware. I haven't checked the numbers closely, but it seems to me that the same thing is going on in the suburbs. Yeah, and I, guess, I, guess, I guess that's a fair statement. Based on what I know about where we live in Bucks County, that's a fair statement. So what, mm-hmm. what, do, you, what, do, you, what, what do you think is driving this? Well, I think that one of the big things that's driving it is um, inflation and interest rate hikes, especially the latter. They seem to have a double whammy effect. On the buyer side, they're discouraging people from committing to buying new homes. And on the seller side, they are making those new homes costlier to build. The likely sale price they'll get for them doesn't make them, as they say, pencil out as easily as a multi-unit property would. Days on market have been increasing basically ever since the pandemic, you know, the lifting of the pandemic restriction touched off the current inflationary spiral. You made me remember not too long ago, we interviewed uh, Leo Adamondo from Philadelphia's managing partner and CEO of Philly's Altera Property Group, it's called. Among other pursuits, Altera had built or had in the works 2,000 build-to-rent units. In, that's a lot of units in Philadelphia, and I'm sure he's not the only one that's doing it, and he builds them in a modular fashion. But the fact there's a growing number of build-to-rent units available in the Philadelphia market, is that helping depress the market? What do you think, Sandy? I'll tell you something. I don't think that this flood of rental properties is depressing 
the market of homes for sale. Everything I read in the industry press says that actually we are undersupplied on rental apartments. There are some changes in the way people live, some of them pandemic-driven, that have also boosted demand for apartments for rent. One of them, I have an article on this subject coming out in next month's issue of Philadelphia Magazine. And one of the people I interviewed for it is a woman named Jessica Scully. This is a name that should be familiar to some of you who are listening to this program because her family company is one of the oldest and largest rental property managers in the region. Hmm. She told me of something she referred to as the renter lifestyle of choice phenomenon. And by this, she's referring to younger, you know, young adults, younger couples, maybe just out of college, starting on their career path or working in an environment where working from home is an option. And because their likely career trajectories are in flux, they are less interested in making the commitment of buying property right off. Instead, they want to rent for a few years, maybe to test drive a neighborhood, maybe to test drive a job, you know, maybe to still be open for other possibilities that might have them relocating quickly. And for these people, you know, apartments for rent are exactly what they want. Yeah, I, I would agree with I would agree with that assessment totally. Young people, they want flexibility. That's that's why you get a lot of resistance now to people going back to offices to work. And Philadelphia happens to be one of those cities. I heard about this yesterday. It's it's approaching a crisis because they can't fill the commercial office space anymore. There's a building a receivership in Philadelphia right now because of that. Can't can't, mm. can't carry it. Can't carry it because they don't have the tenants. So and young people are driving that whole thing. My cousin's uh, one daughter. She has a very responsible job. She's been moving around the country now for two, three years, ever since COVID started. Colorado, California, yada, 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 yada. And now she's back for a while, and then she's going to go back to Colorado again. And she works out of her laptop. A lot of people are children trying to figure things out, and having the rental to that part makes it a little bit more flexible Absolutely. in their schedule. Absolutely. Until they figure out when it, it does settle in. Because I'm yes. sure people do want to settle at some point as you get older. But the younger kids today, are they, the rent, that's all it was. When I was in Philly, that's all they had the same thing. Uh, it was all younger people that, that rented my places. Uh, I can say the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. But younger yep, people 30. in Philly and younger people in Doylestown. Yep, absolutely. And I would say that I agree with you that work from home is driving this too. You know, for instance, uh, the magazine I write for, we've all been working from home continuously since the onset of the pandemic lockdown. And we will be doing so for the foreseeable future as we vacated our office in January of this year. And I know that even some of the companies that have told their employees they do need to come back to the office are doing it on a hybrid schedule like Comcast. You know, you come in three days a week. You work from home two days a week. It's having effects on other things, too. But, yeah, certainly the office building market, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe a few years hence we find that some buildings that even maybe some Class A office building get converted. It just struck me, as I said, that that we had one of those already converted back in the 1990s to Liberty Place, its upper floors. The upper floors of Two Liberty Place were converted to condominiums. 
Yeah, I think more and more that's going to happen. And buildings that can't find their way in this new environment are going to be left empty. And hopefully there's going to be another purpose for it. I just read a story about Bed Bath & Beyond, the commercial venture, obviously. But they're going out, okay? And you think about making a lot of them pickleball courts. <laughs> really? I mean, they could you could put like twenty pickleball courts in a in a bed, bath, and beyond just in the just in the uh, the bedding section for God's sake. Um, yeah, and I hear that pickleball is a really hot commodity right now. It is very much a hot commodity. Yeah, uh, very much a hot commodity. I play it. I like it. Rosemary plays it. She's pretty good. She's better than I am because she's been playing longer. But but imagine you know trying to go to a bed, bath, and beyond and buy like a uh, you know a, a mixer. You can't do it anymore because people would play in pickleball there. So everything, <laughs> everything's sort of in a state of flux, and I think that was fomented by, by the pandemic. Yeah. In all sorts of ways, we're still working out a new normal. One of the things that I was interested in, in considering you know, the rise in rental construction here is this has the potential. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but it struck me that it might happen that it even has the potential to change how Philadelphia sees itself. Because for many decades, this city has prided itself on having unusually high rates of home ownership. This stretches back more than a century. The two-story working man's row house, the city had built a model one on display, for display, excuse me, at the 1893 Chicago World's Fair. It was such a hit that the visitors wore out its floorboards. The beauty of the working man's row house was it was designed so that a average working person could afford to buy it. Yeah, and that whole market well, took off after right after World War World War Two. People came back from the war and just flooded the market for houses like that. No more. With all this rental property coming on, the possibility exists that we could become a majority renter city for the first time in a good long time. You know, decades even. The reason I'm not exactly sure this will happen is because while the percentage of units that are owned in the city took a sharp drop in like the early 2010s, it's remained roughly constant around 52 to 53 percent since. I'm talking about the percentage of uh, units that are owned, even with all this new rental product coming on market that it will be enough to drive that percentage below 50. A lot of people I spoke with for my article seem to believe that, no, it won't turn Philly into a majority renter city. Hmm. I still wanted to figure out what it might mean if it did. Is this a challenge for small entrepreneurial residential real estate landlords with property in Philadelphia? If if there are big builders, you know, throwing up 2,000 rental units. Well, it could be, oddly enough. This was one of the things that I was contemplating in terms of what a majority renter city's politics might look like. I think it's not that worrisome, at least from a financial standpoint, in that most of the new apartments are priced at the upper end of the market. What it will likely do is older apartments will become cheaper. And that would be a boon for those who are having trouble affording finding a place to live now. Most of what the policy wonks are calling naturally occurring affordable housing consists of these older apartments and houses. 
that have been rented out. And most of those are in the hands of small landlords. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that assessment, Sandy. It seems like it's just going, it seems like the dynamic is pushing that way, you know? And I hope, if, if, if getting out is good, I hope I get out of Philadelphia before that happens, to tell you the truth. And do you see this happening in the near suburbs around the city, too? Because, and the reason I'm interested in that is because what's happening in Philadelphia, which has got a lot of younger people in it, as other cities do around the country, could be a movement throughout the United States that will impact. Yeah, but there are also people, you know, for instance, for reasons probably having less to do with the condition of housing or their rents than with uh, some other factors, you have a fair number of middle-class folks now exiting the city for its suburbs. But again, here, the younger ones are probably looking to rent, not buy. And you've got some developers there out in the burbs who are producing some pretty attractive product at not too expensive rents. Um, I have in mind John Westrom of Westrom Development Company. Yep. Mm -hmm. He has basically an apartment building chain. It's called Luxor Lifestyle Apartments. There are, I think now, eight of them in counting in suburbs around the city. It's a little bit like the same concept that the that the Holiday Inn had in the 1970s, no surprises. You know what you're going to get at a Luxor apartment complex before you even set foot in it mm-hmm. because they have standard amenity packages. They are designed to a similar standard. Apartments are have the same sort of amenities in them, and the communities have the same sort of amenities around them. For a highly mobile young adult, that might actually be a good thing because, let's say, they change jobs within the region. So they can move from a Luxor apartment in Norristown to one outside Wilmington. Sure. And even where you don't have change, a lot of these new apartment complexes are just like the ones in the city. Highly amenitized. Clubhouses, swimming pools, courtyards with grills, big screen TVs in the common areas, that sort of thing. I believe that uh, millennials, and that would be people between the ages of 25 and 40, make up a large segment of the rental market in Philly. That's where I would place my people that that are in my place. And I think, would would it be the same with you when you had the rental? Yep, Yep. about that age. 25 to 40? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, the organization Smart Asset, they're called, analyzed data from the U.S. Census Bureau's. It's, uh, they do a one-year American community survey. This was Smart Asset's sixth study of millennial migration patterns. And here's what, this is kind of interesting, what they found. Florida and Texas are emerging as millennial hotspots, with Austin, Dallas, Jacksonville, and Tampa being the four top of the ten cities where millennials are moving. And I can see that if you go, if you've been going to Florida for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. right, or you know anything about Texas, it's just multiplying year after year after year after year to the point where in Florida it's almost too crowded now. It's like Silicon Valley was 20 years ago, where you get stuck in a traffic jam going to work for four hours. You know, it's crazy. Denver, Raleigh, Henderson, Nevada, Salt Lake, and Virginia Beach round out the top ten, but then there are some losers too. The biggest losers, and this is interesting, are big cities. Philly's not mentioning this, but I can't believe, I I, got to believe that they're not too far down the list. New York is a loser in terms of millennials. They're moving out. Chicago, they're moving out. D.C., they're moving out. Boston, they're moving out. L.A., 
they're moving out. San Francisco, which is a problem area. Yes, right? it is. They are definitely moving out. They're the six biggest uh, losers in terms of millennial migration. So if they're, if they're renters, these cities are going to experience a rental crisis. Nightmare. Yeah. Okay. Well, especially for the people like you and I, small guys who have one or two, three, four units, right? If, if the market's not there, you can't rent them. Correct. So Philadelphia may, didn't make that top 10 list on either, on either course, the, the move outs and the move ins, but we know that a substantial portion of millennial and even Gen Xers. So this raises a couple of questions, and we're going to ask you, Sandy, to look into your tea leaves. For some educated guesses, if it hasn't already, will millennial migration lead to more activity from build-to-rent developers in the top millennial migration cities? Seems logical, doesn't it? I mean, one of the things to remember is this city actually experienced a rather sizable growth in its millennial population in the first decade of the 21st century. I, my recollection was that... Uh, you know, the percent the, the percentage growth in millennials living in Philadelphia uh, was at or near the top of all large cities. Back then, a lot of them were hadn't hadn't crossed 30 yet. Things change by the time you're 40. And I suspect without knowing for sure that the older millennials are at the point where they will want to either put down roots or move someplace they can afford if they can't afford here. I mean, a lot of those Sunbelt metros have more affordable housing than anywhere in the Northeast. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yep. I also get the impression that, you know, I mean, San Francisco, since you mentioned it, that's a re- that's actually, if you will, kind of a tragic case. It's like a perfect storm of several factors. One is that the city's economy relies a lot on a sector where working from home was ridiculously easy. Once everybody did it, they all got used to it, and now they're not they're not coming back into town. Then you have migrants moving in and uh, other people with various issues sleeping on the streets. So you have quality of life concerns. I mean, here, you know, just to touch on that, crime, of course, is a big concern, as I'm sure you're aware from the outcome of the recent election. In terms of intra-metro migration, that could well send some of our millennial renters looking for apartments in the suburbs. You know, if uh, our officials and don't get a grip on it. Well, I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about that. It seems like it's a natural migration path. If you like the area, i.e., Philadelphia or Chicago or whatever, and you don't like what's going on in the city. You're going to get out. A lot of people are moving out, but the next logical step is if you have, especially if you have family and friends there, is to move out into the suburban area, maybe even beyond the suburban areas in those in those uh, those particular areas. So, is, and you think that's going to happen, right, Sandy? I think it may well, mm-hmm. and especially if, as I said, our civic leaders can't get a handle on violent crime. I mean, sometimes. I think the news reports may exaggerate the level to which it's a problem in the city center, but there's no denying it's a problem, especially if, like I do, you live in an outlying neighborhood. I have some hope, given that the candidate that won the Democratic primary made this a signature issue, 
and I think struck a you know positive note on it. You're talking about Philadelphia now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I'll just say I'm praying for Sherelle Parker to succeed. Right, well, city, time will tell. I mean, that's the way it is. Yeah. Time will tell. They, they, the people mm-hmm. of Philadelphia definitely wanted the change. There's no doubt about it. They've seen it. That's what they made the election for. So uh, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what happens in the next year or two if they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Because that's right there is going to bring the people back in. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I left. Everything was just collapsing around there. I had to get out of that city. So, and mm-hmm. it, it's tough for me to go back because I, I never as, cried. as a landlord. As a landlord, yeah, yeah. it was a mess for me down there. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the reasons why. But I, the people that I do talk to said the same thing. They love the city. The city's great. But if you don't control what's going on down there, nobody's going to go down there. It's not great anymore, then. That's what it is. Yeah. So, but it's still, still be great again. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I, I have friends who moved out. They had a rental unit down there. Moved out for the same reason. So, I'm sure a lot of people have. So a lot of people always put that on their mind. And it, that will affect the the market rate in that home area whether it's going to be rentals whether it's going to be home buying uh, that's going to be a big deciding factor and that's also going to trickle down to people going down there to uh, dine down there restaurants dining down there getting from people outside of the city coming back in it's a trickle effect everywhere down there now they're seeing it so let's see if they're going to make a move on it yeah yeah it's going to be interesting to watch it's not going to be it's not going to happen overnight it's going to take one two three two years maybe even more for it to turn around with increased rental activity in Philly and these other cities, what would it do to the single-family housing uh, market down there? Do you see that well, bouncing back? I don't think it's going to make a quick comeback. Again, interest rates are kind of like, well, they're, they're doing two things. One, keeping buyers on the sidelines. And two, they're keeping sellers from listing their properties, partly because... They worry that even after they sell, they may not be able to find a place that that's within their budgets. Yeah, you're absolutely. That's that's on my mind. I mean, if I get out of Philadelphia, I've got some issues right now in Philadelphia with the building where I am. We got to get that resolved first. But when I leave there, that's an issue. It's on my mind. I was thinking about going to Florida, but Florida prices keep going. It's skyrocketed in Florida. Up, 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 you know. So it's like, what do you do? Where do you go? I don't want to not have a rental unit, right? Got to have a rental. Want to have a rental unit? So where do you go? Do I want to have something that's like in the middle of Tennessee, someplace where I can't really <laughs> keep tabs on it? I don't know. You know, it's a, it's it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thorny issue. I don't think anybody's got the grasp on rental markets right now. I mean, I'm still looking, and I just don't know what to do. I even talked to one of my buddies who's a, a king at this, and he, he's still sitting tight because nobody knows. Nobody Commercial knows property still skyrocketed through the roof. Uh, home sales have been, um, as you know, saying they have slowed up because of the interest rates. But some people are still buying at that interest rate with putting the minimum down or coming with cash. Yeah, we, we saw, uh, uh, yeah, um, oh, as you sure. know. Sure, and actually I can think of an instance, you know, Quality will always sell. I recently toured a house. It was carved out of what had been a two-story garage wing of a house on the block behind it. The developer here is one of these people who doesn't cut corners. He's quality from start to finish. It shows in his work. He's very interested in historical faithfulness. Uh, The house was in a historic district. So he basically turned it into a modern house with a colonial soul. 
that was very well built, very well equipped, very thoughtfully designed. It got an offer the day after it was listed. Yeah, that, that happens. I mean, we I saw one last weekend, not that I'm looking for a place, but my uh, but Rosemary's um, son, son-in-law and daughter are. It was 1,300 square feet, right? Yeah. It was run down, and they were looking for $700,000. Give me a break, you know? What do you do with something like that? And somebody will go in, probably bid over asking, and get this house that's got it's probably $300,000 worth of work that it needs. And it won't be worth it at, at that rate. Or a small house like that? Yeah, that ha- it's still happening out there, but there's less of that now. The fever pitches sort of like drop back quite a bit. Would you Would you agree with what oh, you Oh, absolutely. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Something tells me that whoever listed that fixer-upper at that price, they're going to be waiting for an offer. You know? That that logic would dictate that you're right about that, but logic hasn't played a lot of got a sense in the past a couple big years. role in in, uh, in in this real estate market over the last couple of years. So, Sandy, we got to leave it there. This has been very very informative, and I'm sure a lot of stuff we're talking about is going on in other towns around the country. I'm sure. Hey, Kev, great news on how our listeners can tap into their home equity without taking a loan, making monthly payments, or piling on debt. With Unison, they get up to 17.5% of their home's value to remodel, pay off debt, buy a vacation home, whatever. You have Unison, right? Yep, paid off medical debt. Unison's terms were perfect for me, especially zero monthly payments for up to 30 years. Zero monthly payments? How do they make money? When you sell your home, you pay them the original co-investment amount plus a percentage of the change in your home's value up to 30 years later. How do we learn more? Go to unison.com backslash YVH, which stands for Your Valuable Home. Again, that's unison.com backslash YVH. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit unison.com backslash YVH for details. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufacturing, stone and metal roofing products made with latest technology and honest old world craftsmanship the Provia way that's this week's podcast your valuable home comes to you every week on the new pod city podcast network apple Podcasts, and all other popular podcast directories if you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story email me at kevin at your that's kevin at your and don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 